2: game final play. Taylor over the top to Waller. Can't bring it in. Tarrant Johnson defends and the Bills
3: The Buffalo Bills avoiding what would have been a massive upset. They were 15-point favorites over the New York Giants who were coming in without Daniel Jones with an offensive line that has looked like steaming Yo. caca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my new favorite word. Uh, and and somehow the Giants and weather the storm, keep it close, make them doubt themselves, yeah. make them realize they, they – showed up on the wrong night at the wrong More of what we saw from the 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 Giants last year. This is kind of how they played, right? But, boy, that last play. And, look, untimed down, they got to score a touchdown. If they're going to throw the ball, do whatever you have to do to keep the guy from catching it. Because worst-case scenario is – they get to do it all over again well, and, and yeah. force them to keep throwing the flag and force them to keep throwing the flag. That was the legion of boom attitude in 2013. We're just going to hold the receivers on every play because they aren't going to throw a flag on every play. They're not going to do it. We're going to dare them. They're not going to slow the game down. They're not going to bog because eventually what's going to happen is everybody's going to boo the officials for throwing a flag on every play. Yeah. They're not going to do it. So just keep doing it. Force them to keep throwing the flag. And and Hey, you win the game. You break up the pass, they don't throw the flag, you win the game. They throw the flag, you get to do it one more time. Right. You get to keep doing it one more time. Sure. So I think it makes a ton of sense. And that's different from my take last week on Marcus Peters because it's not a safety issue to pull and tug at Darren Waller to keep him from catching the pass. You're not pulling him down by his horse collar to keep him from catching the, the pass. It's it's just rubbing his racing, yeah. but you're rubbing enough that the race can't finish. And so kudos to the Bills for, for doing the smart thing there after one interference call in the end zone, untimed down, do it again. And if they had called it, do it again. Force them to run it one time, and make the make the Giants try to score that way. I'm yeah. surprised they didn't run it.
2: Well, I, you know, one and and maybe you know you see here it's is clearly holding right at the very least it should have been there's no and you know me Ball's I'm in the
3: air it's interference uh, yeah it's, it's interference before, whatever it's you in want air, it's both right yeah so it doesn't matter at that point it's right you not
2: do it again exactly exactly right it, 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 uh, well this is what I'll say. We know with the NFL, right? And I mean look at that. Uh, I mean, damn, he's he's got a front horse collar grab on the guy, right? To where hey, it might get so egregious, it might end up being in- injury related if they yeah. don't watch out with stuff like that. But but to the point of we've we've talked about it a lot. We know you we both talk to coaches in football. This this is annoying people in the NFL. Coaches in the NFL are definitely Uh, aware that the game gets ref differently at the end of the football game. Now, we saw we were on a Sunday here where it looks like maybe there was a memo sent to the referees like, hey, you got to call pass interference the same way in the first quarter and the fourth quarter, right? So that was the encouraging thing, right? We saw the Browns get the benefit of the doubt there against the 49ers. This game here, you know, the play before, I don't know if we have the play before where there was pass interference called, guys, um, but I was proud of the referees in that moment, on that play, where – Whoa, like he's gonna throw it up of course there was there was contact, and they called a penalty on Bernard, right, the middle linebacker, and I went, man. Thank God. Look at the referees. They're finally going to call a pass interference here in a big moment. Like, there's no doubt about it. But not two. You're right. But two was a different that's a story. Too much to ask and for. that's where they're going to have to continue to get on the referees and go, no, 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 no. You would have called that and not even blinked an eye in the first quarter. Yeah, it would have been called, and there would have been seven flags on the field. Guys that don't even watch the play, would be like, pass interference. Pass. And all of a sudden, here we are. we got a guy's neck of his jersey being stretched out a
3: foot away from his neck, and they're not going to call that. But again, but again. I know. That's why you run it there. I, yeah. you got Saquon Barkley back.
2: Well, that's I you hear you. There. But they're not a very good running team. I understand them being scared to, right? And the Bills kind of crowd in the line of scrimmage the way they are. The offensive line issues all year long. I understand them calling the pass play. I do. But you're right. I mean, listen, it's, it's, maybe that's why you do run it. You don't have to worry
3: about you know the referees and, and putting it in their hands. In this analytics-crazed world, you have to factor in the possibility if you throw in that setting, your guy's going to get interfered with and they're not going to throw the flag a second time. Now,
2: Now, I bet he, you the analytics say throw the ball
3: every well, time. And the they're. analytics crowd will say, oh, it's all – Every factor is included in our calculations. I just—I don't know who I was trying to imitate there, but it was like combination jock nerd. But how do you how do you quantify the human dynamic that is? We're already inclined yeah. to not throw a flag in a big spot. Yep. Don't ask us to do it twice in Buffalo. <laughs> We value our lives. We value our safety. We'd very much like to get to our cars after this game tonight. We're not going to keep throwing a flag for pass interference in the end zone over and over and over again. That is something that you've got to factor into your thought process in that moment. Now, good luck having the world slow down. It's almost like Matrix stuff where the world slows down to the point where you have the presence of mind to recognize – they're probably gonna interfere. You know, I'm gonna. Throw, hey, standalone game. Better be game. somebody who's wide ass open. Well, stand better be al- wide ass open right. and no one near him because otherwise they're gonna drag him to the ground and not let him catch that. Standalone game. Those people that are in the
2: referee's ears all the time throughout the game, like they gotta get in their ears again and go, "Hey, hey, calm down here." I mean, it's it's a big moment of the game. Let's call it the way it's supposed to be called. And I, I think the. Uh, uh, Courtney and Kristen in the back are working magic here, and we got the first pass interference call. Okay. So let's check this out because we got one second left, third and five, ball over the middle. They got a one-on-one matchup with Waller and the the linebacker Bernard, just what they wanted. But there's clearly holding, pass interference, whatever you want to say. It, it's first and goal yeah. at the one. Right? Great call. It was the, the proper call. I don't even think this holding was as okay. egregious as the second no, holding. No, you're right. And there's right? the
3: official. Can we show the second one now? Because the official who throws it there is probably thinking, Woo! Oh. Go! Oh. Man, I did it! Whew. Yeah, yeah! Ah. those assholes tomorrow on PFT yeah. Live, aren't they won't be say able to I tell, I talk about flag. me swallowing my flag. And there he is again! And he like, Looking oh, right at yeah. it. Yeah, don't expect me to do it
2: twice. That was. I already did it. That one. was. I ain't doing yeah, right. it again. Well. He now, yeah, who knows? Yeah, he he'd heard his 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 name had become Mother Effer as he was sitting there for the two minutes <laughs> here, while that you're was right. on. right, He's Standing
3: at that, point. Hey, you, yeah.
2: you stupid Mother Effer. You stupid Mother. You So then here here he is, and we don't call the play. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, unfortunate for the Giants right there, who played right a really on. good game. They I looked... ain't doing it twice. baby. <laughs> <there, yeah. laughs> but looked more like the team we saw last year. This is the first game. The Giants played well enough in the first half of a game to where they could stick with their game plan in the second half of the game and be the team we saw last year where, they yeah, it comes down to the end and they feel comfortable there and they feel like, hey, we're going to out-clutch you. That was impressive. But at the same time, too, with the Giants being impressive and, okay, hopefully this is kind of a landmark moment where they can find their way here. You know the bills are—they're all over the place. Holy crap, are they all over the place? I mean, look like crap week one. Look like the best team in football for three weeks after that. Then we're really dominated by the Jacksonville Jaguars last week with just some late game stats that really didn't mean anything. And then last night, you know, once again, you know, the offense not finding ways. And I, and, and 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 Mike, I, you know, one of the, I kind of broke this down on my podcast last week, but. The one thing I think we saw again here, and we know the Giants' D is a pain in the butt, right? We kind of talk about it every week. They're way better than their statistical ranking. Their offense stinks. They're put in a lot of tough spots. But you go back in every game, that Giants' D has been a handful for whoever they play. Wink blitzes so much that you have to worry about all these blitzes. That okay on a day like last night he didn't over blitz but he looked like he was gonna blitz and then they drop out but you have to worry about picking it up and you're doing all these different things worried about that so he uses one of his strengths or you know uh, to benefit him later down the road but but the big thing is the Bills offense we're seeing. Is not a high functioning machine unless Josh Allen can make big plays. That to me is the big thing that has jumped out between the three losses or the two losses and last night. If you can keep him in the pocket, like the Giants did, like Jacksonville did, where they don't run by him and give him lanes to run everywhere and scramble and make all these great plays, and then you can play a little bit, hey, we're not going to give the big play to Stephon Diggs down the field. Teams look like they're, they're going, okay, we're, we're comfortable playing that way. As long as he doesn't make these magic plays, we feel like we could stop the rest of it. And here's two weeks in a row where that Bill's offense looked
3: very, very ordinary. Except for those periodic moments where Josh Allen, like the, the touchdown pass. The touchdown go, like, pass at the it's end just, of the game was insane. My God. But that
2: was like one of the few mag- yeah. magic moments he had the whole game, right? And none of, no like 50-yard lasers down the field or anything like that. So that, that to me was the big thing. But, yeah, it's hard to – They that was work. A 17-play, 90-yard drive for the first touchdown to go up 7-6. And then this play – I mean, this is insane.
3: That easily could have been the kind of interception he got criticized for last year in the red zone, throwing the ball up to the other team. That was close to being picked off. That was a thing of beauty, though.
2: This was a beauty. And, and we can, after this is over, play it all over again one more time, if you know not He threw this ball before the guy even saw the ball. But look at how they rushed him. See how they never went past him? They keep him there, okay? And, you, I mean, it's like Barry Sanders or Randy Moss. You can only contain him for so long, right? He's going to make a play. But he throws this ball... And Morris is on the outside of the defender, and he felt like, hey, he's going to come inside out the back door of this defender, and I'm just going to throw it there, even though he hasn't made a move to cut there yet. And that was just a, a phenomenal football play on a night where, yeah, Josh Allen and the Bills offense
3: struggled for the most part. Let's hear from Josh Allen on the Bills' struggles, even though they managed to get the victory last night at home. Just really wasn't getting into a rhythm. Um... You know, that's
2: pass and run game included. We got to find ways to to get our get off to a fast start, and I don't think we've done that the last few day or last few games. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a it's a win. It's an ugly one. We'll take it, uh, but there's a lot of things that we got to learn from and and get better at. They played a really good game defensively, and let's throw records out the out the out the door. You know, it's the National Football League. Those guys get paid to play, paid to play as well,
0: um, and they did a good job today. And you know, we made one more play than they did on defense. Um, I can't thank our defense enough for for helping us out there. But we can't put our our defense in those types of situations, game in, game out. We got to be better.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not going to work out on a regular basis. You're going to win one, you're going to lose one. If you let yeah. it come down to that right. every single week, right. but to get a win on a night when the offense was that off. All that yeah, matters is right. you check the win and you improve. You keep pace with Miami and you keep moving forward. Yeah. So, And th- that's the best kind of win. you got plenty of stuff you can learn from. you got plenty of things you can feel bad about. You're not going to get too far ahead of yourself thinking, hey, we're great now you still think we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And they had that three week stretch where they looked like they were becoming dominant. And now for the last two weeks, they've looked the opposite of it and they escaped last night with a win. Yeah. You know,
2: some injuries on the D defense certainly have affected them there, right? They're banged up at corner. They're banged up at the D line. They're missing their best player in the middle linebacker and Matt Milano. So they got some things to adjust to and <clears> then <throat> overcome, uh, uh, Daquan Jones wasn't in there. I mean, they're 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 a banged up football team. I guess where I was disappointed is I was expecting a bounce back. Like, hey, we got dominated over in London. We need to come back and you know put our best foot forward and remind everybody who we are. Now, before I overjudge that, I do want to say, like, yeah, it's 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 also, hey, the Giants are coming to down. We're better than them. It's also. You're playing a coach in day ball who's got a pretty good feel for what your defense likes to do, right? And then I think you go back to Wink Martindale and what they do on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they're one of the most creative defenses in the game. You know, they're, they're, they're a handful there, and they, they – knew and had a plan to stop Josh Allen and obviously had a good feel for everything else they did to where they were comfortable in that football game and they all played Buffalo last night. They all played Buffalo. Josh Allen's one or two plays and the defense making this goal line stand at the end helped them win the football game. Uh but to outgain the Buffalo by twenty yards, you know, to have, you know, better better on third down than they were You know, only two less first downs overall. Controlled the clock, right? All of those things, they all went in the Giants' favor. Um, They just, you know, couldn't pull through in in the big moment.
3: One of the talking points in the immediate aftermath of the game, boy, the Giants would have only needed a field goal to win if they had managed to get just a field goal out of the drive at the end of the first half. Now, look, it's impossible to know how the second half would have unfolded with those extra three. That was a horrible moment. But it was a horrible moment. And it—it's. I look at the the official description in the game book, and it just defies common sense. It defies logic. You're snapping the ball first and goal from the one yep. with 14 seconds left. No, time no timeouts. They run it. It's stopped. Yep. Tick, tick, tick. There's nine. There's eight. And everybody's kind of standing around. And so what Tyrod didn't
2: think he, Tyrod didn't realize there was no timeouts. You could see that first off. He's sitting there standing there. And then somebody gets and in his the next ear, thing you know, that's it. And so Hey, dude, we got no timeouts. You got to Look. So, He's, he goes, that's not what we want. That's what Brian Dayball says. My experience here would say this, Mike. This is what I would say. I think that they had a play called. They had a baked-in check all week, right, when they got down inside the five-yard line. Like, when they play this defense, we want to run this play because we like it, right? So they call a play that I think was a pass. I mean, I hope so, right? They call a pass. They get the defense that they've been talked about all week. Hey, if they get that, let's check to that run. But that's where the quarterback's got to realize, wait, wait, I I can't do that in this moment. Now, the coach needs to also get in his ear and go, hey, that check that goes with that play, that's dead. we got to run the play that I call here. That, to me, is what it looks like happened in some capacity. Whether there was two plays called in the hell out all, that's a, that's a more glaring mistake on the coaches. Or if it was one play called and then Tyrod Taylor went to the check – then that's on both of them because they should have reminded them and Tyrod Taylor should know better too. But either way, that was a big moment, like you said, because they could have kicked a field goal if the game unfolded the way it did. Uh, You never know, like you said. But still, to leave that on the the table there at the end of the half was disappointing.
3: Mike Tirico was not bashful about calling that moment awful in real time. It was awful. Awful. Here is both head coach Brian Dable and backup quarterback turned starter last night Tyrod Taylor on what happened on that last play of the first half.
0: Had a play called. It was a a run-action pass play, um, and ended up alerting it to a run. Didn't get it off. Yeah, there was was good. There was communication. Yep. He just saw. He saw a look based on the play that we had, and he ended up uh, uh, alerting it. Ended up what? Ended up alerting it to a run.
1: Uh, it was a decision, um, looking back on it, definitely should have made, shouldn't have made, um, alerted to a run, thought I'd seen a look that was beneficial for us and it wasn't the right call, um, and that, that falls on me as a quarterback, as a leader, um, as the one that's communicating everything
2: to everyone. Uh, <clears throat> Got to be better in that situation. Did
1: you think you would have time to, to spike it? when went did it, or you
2: were? Yeah,
1: I, I, I did. Um, but yeah, ultimately should have just left the play on. Shouldn't, have, shouldn't have alerted it.
3: Yeah, I don't. Like you said, I don't think he realized they didn't have any out. I don't Something think he did at the time. No. Based upon the way everybody reacted after that play ended, no. Because you got to know, 14 seconds. If this play doesn't work, we got to we got to line up and spike it. And they could do it. They could have done it. That's what's weird about it. It's not like you got to run everybody 10 yards. No. You're right there. You're at the one. If you don't cusp, score, you're right. Yeah, if you don't score, you got enough time to line everybody to get up, up and everybody up, spike up. boom. Yeah. We
2: know we got to spike it. Blah blah blah. But yeah, here a, a great job in the back, Courtney and Kristen. Because here you go once again. They're going to show it. Right, And I think how I explained it was probably what happened, that there was a baked-in check and an alert that they talked about all week. But yeah, Tyrod Taylor was totally unaware at that moment. We had one receiver who realized it and was like, let's go. The Bills did a good job of being slow, getting off the ball carrier and wasting some time there. Tyrod Taylor, I want to say this, he played very good last night, okay? He is being a total pro there and saying it was on him. All right, But anybody knows it's been in an NFL, you've been a quarterback, you've been anything there. That's more on the coaches. I'm sorry. It's not Tyrod Taylor's job to manage the football game. He just plays quarterback. And what he was taught all week when that situation arises to play quarterback was to do that. Yeah, you'd like him not to. He's been around for a long time. But I know whether I worked in New England or, you know, played on a team that just won the Super Bowl uh, in Tampa Bay or with Kerry Collins in in Tennessee and all that, that the coach got in their ear in that kind of moment, right? Where John Gruden, hey, Brad Johnson, I know you won the Super Bowl and we got a great defense here, but you got to just run this play. We can't run it. We can't go to the check run here, Right. And that, to me, is where the coach has got to be in the ear of Tyrod Taylor before the play to make sure that's clear. we got to throw the ball here. You can't check to the run or do anything here. It's throw the ball, and let's see where it goes from there. And, of course, they drop the ball in a big moment and uh, kind of unfortunate. Not I, kind of, very.
3: I noticed this tweet from our friend Greg Rosenthal right after it happened. He tweeted this. Dayball loves to let everyone know when it's not his fault. <laughs> because when you look at the body language, yeah, and the reaction, and what we saw with the tablet with Daniel Jones a yeah. few weeks ago, but, and some of that, yeah, yeah like, yeah, let, right? but and and hey, we, we both are Brian Dayball fans. Yes, sometimes it is your fault. Yes, ultimately you're in charge. You're the head coach. You're right? in charge. Yeah, you're the. And you're you needed to make sure your yeah. guy understood in that moment. We're not going to run the ball, and if we are, we're getting our asses up to the line of scrimmage and getting the ball spiked. Yeah, well, th- this is another reason that, you know, I, and I don't know how much it is right now. I know Kafka calls that all could have waited for the locker room. What we're seeing right now, that all could have waited for the locker room. Yeah. yeah, now and maybe he's just too emotional to control himself, but it does to the rest of us watching say, Dayball's putting the blame on Tyrod Taylor for that moment. He, he, he's an emotional guy and he's fiery.
2: Uh, yeah, it, it's it's fair to look at it that way, and that's where you know I'll get back to kind of what I said about Brian Dayball last week. I have so much respect for him as a play caller and a play designer. He should be the one that's in the ear of the quarterback all the time. He was hired because of his offensive prowess and brain power and what he does there. As a Giant fan, I want Brian Dayball calling the plays all the time. It's not a disrespect to Mike Kafka. I know that he's a really good football coach and does a lot of good things. But the reason Dayball was there was because of his ability to call the play and build game plans and what he did in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I would still would like him to do that, and then there's a moment where I don't know, I don't think he was the one talking to the quarterback before that play, right? And that's where, yeah, I, that goes back on the head coach, but it's 14 seconds, first and goal on the one, and they if they throw the ball, they legitimately should have three shots to throw the ball into the end zone, let alone they should have come away with a field goal. So... Who knows? Three points were missed, but what about the other four that might have been missed on the touchdown on top of that? So that's where it stinks for the Giants, and uh, yeah, Buffalo escaped uh, by the skin of their teeth there.
3: Let's uh, take a break. When we return, Superlatives time. We are completely unprepared, but we have two minutes or so to to cram. We'll be ready for Superlatives when PFC Live continues right after this. Tyreek Hill, with the long touchdown reception, goes straight to the guy, grabs his cell phone, does the flip. It's all on video. As it happened, I thought, you know what? He's not just taking a picture. That camera is running. And he knew exactly who to go to. Oh, this is all set up. He knew exactly who to go to. And apparently this guy, I saw this last night somewhere, works for the NFL's UK Twitter account because they tweeted the video. And then it got deleted because he's going to get fined for that. You can't use a prop in a celebration. This goes back to Joe Horn pulling out the cell phone from right. under the padding of the goal post. Anytime you use anything other than the ball or any of the stuff on the field, any external prop, you're going to get busted. So that, did, that video had to come down because the No Fun League still wants to find him, even though this is as fun as it gets. Uh, it, it's,
2: uh, how good do you have to be to go, you could just set up a touchdown celebration? Like, you know, like, hey, I'm going to be down here at some point and you just be in this corner here, and I'll come meet you because I'm going to be down here at some point. Tape every touchdown. play right. that we have Any coming time this I way. Get close,
3: you every go, I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> tape every play because I'm going to score a touchdown eventually, and I'm going to grab that phone, and I'm going to do a flip. It, it's incredible. That guy was clearly ready for it. He wasn't no surprised. Doubt. He's down no crouching. Acting, right. You know, getting – yeah.
2: And then to do, do a backflip part of it. that easily yeah. after you just, you know, ran a route and burned by everybody on the Carolina Panthers defense and then just a backflip that casually – Uh, incredible, and that will lead me to my week six superlative called MVP Tyree Kill. Let's stop the nonsense around the football league, and let's get into real MVPs. I'm sick of the award going to the quarterback on the best team gets the MVP. Are you kidding me? If you're not watching the Dolphins and you don't know who the most valuable player is, you're lying to yourself or you're blind. I'm just telling you. I don't know what it is. One of the two, because he is unstoppable. This is the most unbelievable offensive weapon we have seen in the history of football. It ranks up there with anybody. Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders, Randy Moss in his prime. It does not matter. He can do everything. The offense revolves around him. The offense is wide open because of him. He is scary good. He is well on pace right now to go over 2,000 yards receiving, which he talked about all offseason. Tyreek Hill... You know, I, I, I said this a little bit of even with the 49ers last week. Like, Christian McCaffrey is the MVP of the 49ers, not Brock Purdy. Sorry. We got to stop this just the quarterback gets the default MVP award. I'm sick of it. The best player on the Dolphins is number 10, who runs faster than the Roadrunner. And what he did yesterday, I and mean, of course the Dolphins are so impressive, but just the pressure he puts on you is phenomenal.
3: No receiver has ever won the NFL's MVP award. Two defensive players have yeah, won. Lawrence Taylor, right. Allen Page, kicker. NFL
2: passing league, I, I and we don't have a receiver
3: that's won it um, because the quarterback gets the votes. I, when that happens, it's crazy, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You have one of the votes. I have one of the votes. Yeah, people like Tua. Yeah, and there are people in the media. And he's great. And There's people in the media that don't like Tyreek. Yeah, given his history. Yeah, they just I don't. You. I mean, you're going to have to overcome that. Yeah, not us. Yeah, everybody, the human nature. You're going to yeah. have to overcome. I really like Tua. And I really don't like this game. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be part I of know. the analysis when and it's it time for everybody. Be. I know. And it should not be. Yeah. But when it's time for everybody to check their boxes and fill out their their ballots, that's going to be part of it.
2: Unavoidable. Like, like I just got to say this out loud so people realize this. Here comes two and on. Look, look up. He has 42 receptions for 814 yards. He's the most... Marked guy at receiver in football, and he's, on and he's averaging 19.4 yards per reception, and he's an anywhere guy where, I mean, he can score from anywhere on the field, and that's just—it's it's really special, and it's not a disrespect to Tua or an or anybody. Tua's been great. All I'm just trying to say. There's only one MVP. I know, and we that's just that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. And we just got to get a little out of this mold where we've gotten in the. It feels like it's more the last ten quarterback, years. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Since Adrian team.
3: Peterson in, in 2012, the MVP goes yes. to one of the quarterbacks from one of the top seeds, and Pretty that's much. just how it plays out. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see how we'll see yeah. how it goes. How it plays out. We got 11 games left. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, my first one: the early bird gets the pint. <laughs> because get your ass to London. Why would you wait? Why would you wait? Unless you're trying to save some money. We heard it last week from the Jaguars. Yeah, Travis Etienne. They were accustomed. they were acclimated. They right. played a game there the prior Sunday. Yeah, and Travis Etienne knew how he felt yeah. the prior Sunday, right? And he knew how he felt after being there for a week, and it he made felt a much difference. Better, and the they they, game. they beat the they beat the right. Bills. The Ravens go early, and the Titans dilly dally, and and Devin McCourty said this last night. They went late one year he said we still went sightseeing we're still going to go do stuff like if we're going late because the idea is we're going to minimize distractions we're still distracted we're still in london we're still going to go out and want to do stuff so you may as well go early and and trust your players to not get in trouble trust your players to not take advantage of the change of scenery but why would you not want to let your body get acclimated going five time zones or more why would you not want to get over there unless you're just trying to save some money or, or I, I don't know. I haven't done the full analysis on what the teams have done back since 2007 by way of leaving early and right. who's won and who's lost. But why would you want to even take that chance? Get there. Get over the jet lag. Get your body used to the time zone. Get your body used to the air. Everything. And 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 put yourself in a position to win.
2: Yeah, I I feel like it's we're we're trending towards that. Like, duh, that's what you have to do. Kind of territory with this trip. It's it's starting to you know, show that it's true to be. Yeah more accustomed, be there, be comfortable. you used to the time change, you know, be used to the way of life rather than, wait, we got here 48 hours before, yeah, you know, we were at home all week in our area, but now it's like a crazy whirlwind and we're all over the place. And like you said, guys are still going to go, let's go to that cool restaurant, let's go see Big Ben, let's go do this, do that. And you try to cram that in and you make yourself more exhausted even though it's a whirlwind there. Um, So I hear you there. Baltimore with the win. Awesome. Baltimore, again, it's not perfect. They haven't maybe put a full game together yet. But I will say when I watch Baltimore and they go through periods of times where, again, like this game was 18-3 to at one point, I was going, man, Baltimore's really good. Like Baltimore looks like when they're at their best, they're a Super Bowl caliber football team. Now, they're not putting it together on a consistent level yet, but their defense has moments of just they squash people and the offenses can't do anything. They're big up front. Their linebackers are good. Their secondary is good. They got a really good defensive coordinator. They're really well coached on that ball. The, the offensive passing game, I think we're seeing it come along little by little. And, of course, they're getting healthy there finally too. Andrews was banged up early in the year. OBJ had a big catch yesterday. Rashad Bateman was out there. right We know the run game is still a thing there. You know, they couldn't score in the red zone. This game was a little misleading in the score altogether. It felt like the Ravens kind of controlled it. Um, but, yeah, I do think the potential of the Ravens at their best – is, is up there with the, the top teams in the game. They had a
3: couple lapses, and they let Tennessee back into it. Definitely. And, yes. and, and if they had lost that game, it would have been another – Oh, then like last week, it would have been like, what? Week, been like, what? Yeah, you outplayed should, they, they, them? Yeah, How exactly. did you do that? Yeah. Yes.
2: Uh, and, and to that point where it was, like you said, a little lax, the game went to 18-13, right? And the Titans had the ball midfield-ish, and it was, what, third and one. And the Titans decide to kind of do a play-action pass and try to get a big play down the field. And Ryan Tannehill got impatient and tried to force the ball down the field, had a first down to Derrick Henry underneath. Geno Stone intercepts it for the Ravens, and that was really kind of the last gasp. For the Tennessee Titans, they had momentum there, and you went, "Man, are they going to hang around? And this going to be a game? All of a sudden, and that interception kind of ended it. And it, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill with the injury and everything there, it might end him altogether here. Well, more
3: on him yeah. coming up later. Let's try to cram in two more very quickly. Okay, you got one. I got one. Go.
2: Well, um, I don't even have a. You don't have a title. I don't have a title because I didn't think of it either. either. But I, how about Jackson Deville? Wants to shove it up Florio's, you know what. What did I do? Other (laughs) than pick the Colts to win. Yeah, yeah. well, you're right. I forgot that, that too. But the Jaguars, you know, I think are, in a lot of ways, I kind of look at them as like Detroit of the AFC. I go, ooh, they're a Super Bowl team. And maybe my superlative, I should say, it's all coming together here. Uh, okay, it's all coming together. I think Jacksonville, when I look at them right now, I go, they got it all. They can beat you a lot of different ways. It's all trending in an upward direction right now, right? We talked about their defense last week against the Bills. Their front four is awesome, their secondary is awesome, their linebackers are really good. Gardner Minshew has harassed and made bad decisions. And you can see there's people all over these guys, anyways. So there wasn't much where there to go. And then the offense, the, the run game and the balance there, they're, they're dangerous. They're young. They're talented. They're figuring out how to
3: win. Watch out for Jacksonville. And you mentioned the Lions. I remember saying before the season, yeah. why is everybody all over the Lions when the Jaguars did as much, actually more? Yeah. Yeah. In twenty twenty two. The Lions did went to the, the playoffs, lines, did. Won, to the playoffs a won a game, right. gave the Chiefs yeah, everything all they, they can, can handle, handle. And right. why aren't we looking at them a little more closely this year? Last one for me, Cooper Cup is back. And there was this weird thing about his hamstring and yeah. Sean McVeigh mentioned there may be some nerve issue and he was on injured reserve and like is this is this like the end of the Cooper Cup as we know it well. Yesterday, seven catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. And don't look now, but the Rams are 3-3. Three and three. It's amazing. The Seahawks are 3-2. and two. The 49ers are 5-1. and one. And the Rams have beaten the Seahawks, lost to the 49ers. They got the big win yesterday over the Cardinals. What up to to with a the factor Niners and that. the Eagles? They're, they're right? going to be a factor in that chase for the seventh seed. I agree. That's NFC. where they are. Right, yep. right.
2: Like I don't look at the Rams and go, they're a Super Bowl team. But I go... Borderline playoff team that seems like they're going to beat the teams they should beat, and then they're going to be a pain in the butt against a better team. If you make one mistake, they might beat
3: you, right? And and they're going to come into the playoffs if they get there with kind of a chip on their shoulder attitude, and it wasn't that long ago they won the Super Bowl. And they're a team that in a single elimination setting could put it all together once, build some confidence, build some momentum put it together again, who knows what the Rams could do? Who knows? Well, they got a
2: culture, and McVeigh's one of the best coaches in football. He's pissed off about last year. Stafford's healthy. They ran the ball yesterday in the second half, and if we could show that highlight one more time, that was a big part of the football game, because I think we were at 9-3. to The Rams are backed up, and... The Cardinals gambled and left their rookie corner, uh, Keytrell Clark, one-on-one with Cooper Cup. And he did his old little like run, slow down like I'm about to break down and run a 10-yard route. And then took off again. And they hit the bomb down the sideline to make it 9-6 before the half and get it done. And that game was never the same. Because then the Rams came out in the second half and ran the ball right down the throat of the uh, Arizona Cardinals and kind of controlled the game from that point on.
3: All right, let's take a break. When we return, Chris mentioned the Lions. They Roar. went down to Tampa and they They're, they ruined the creamsicle day in yes. Tampa Bay. Winning the North right over the this. Vikings.
2: That's all that counts.
0: Listen, I can't say enough about uh, our defensive performance. Today And really, you know, really for for five games this year, to be honest with you, I mean, um, you know, Aaron Glenn's done a hell of a job with that staff and our players have bought in. Uh, They've been bought in, but they, they man, um, we're just playing as one unit right now and, and we're doing what we need to do. I thought Jared Goff had an outstanding day. I thought he really helped us win this game. Uh, on offense that's a damn good defense that we faced and we knew that coming in here and uh, they made it hard on us Um, but we came away with 20 and and from the defense to only give up six points uh, is saying a lot.
3: Dan Campbell, Lions coach, his team has won four in a row. They're five and one for the first time since 2011. The only loss of the season back in Week Two in overtime to the Seattle Seahawks. Jared Goff was great, 353 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks, Ooh. and the defense held Tampa Bay to 251 yards. It was kind of close for a while, yeah, but it was just kind of one of those suffocation, right, right. Just right. <clears throat> you just felt inevitable that the Lions were going to pull away on the day that they brought out. The old creamsicle uniforms spoiled. The sickles uh, Well, were out that's in the sun what they usually looked like when they wore that's the true. creamsicles. It that's was kind true. of true to form yuckaneers. right there.
2: Yeah, the old yuccaneers, right? Um, I've gone to the point here, I think in the last two to three weeks where I went Lions, great story, good team, dangerous playoff team, to I think after yesterday, and, and I you know I said this kind of on football night in America last night, where I just go it, it, legit Super Bowl contender. They, to me, have, have turned the corner to, yeah, playoff team, to I go, no, no, they're actually in tier one in the NFC with the Eagles and the 49ers now. You know, I, I had to see their defense go first. I, I guess I had to see Jared Goff do what he's doing first again before I could buy into it. But Dan Campbell said it right. You know The Lions, we know they want to run the football, and they got no problem with going, you know, what? we can't run today. We're going to put it on Jared Goff. And he gets it done week after week right now. All right. Jamison Williams is back and he was back last week and he popped on film. He can fly. This is going to be a game changer for this football team. Last week, Mike, against the Carolina Panthers, he had about three or four plays where like Jared Goff, I know, watched the film and went, oh, my gosh, I forgot how fast he is. I got to hang in there with him because if he's even, he's leaving. Right.
3: And you see there. Great. He- Great Great adjustment, Yeah, great adjustment, body control, ball skills, spotting it in the air, stopping, making the catch. Guy had a A hand hand on the ball. In between his hands, right? So
2: that, to me, is like the last element of their offense where you go, wait, they run the ball, they play action, they're well-coached, they're creative. Amon Ross, St. Brown, and the tight end, Laporta, will work the middle of the field and do all that. And now we got a home run threat, right? That's, to me, scary. And then the defense is legit well-rounded. They're big up front. They got Aiden Hutchinson, you can't run the ball on them, and Aaron Glenn has done a phenomenal job marrying it all together between the front end and the back end, and they're made really as a unit one of the most remarkable turnarounds we've seen this year. Last year they are the worst defense in football, now they're a top 10 defense, and doesn't matter who they play, it's not because of the schedule, they're
3: legit. You know what it's starting to look like? Yeah. 98 Vikings. Oh. Uh, yeah. Because you can take... You can take the top off Yeah. I hear your, you. your, your version of Randy Moss. Right, right. You got your version of Chris Carter underneath. You got just enough defense to keep teams honest yeah. and, to, and to keep yourself ahead of them. Yeah, they but got gotta, a better defense than your 98 yeah, Vikings. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and here they are at 5-1. and one, uh, And they did something the 98 Vikings didn't do, which is win in Tampa. It was the only loss of the year that, that season for the Vikings, you, loss in Tampa, you, 27-24.
2: You, you sit here right now and you go, the Lions could be undefeated. I mean – they lost to Seattle at home in a game where on consecutive drives they threw a pick six and fumbled inside their own 20-yard line. And that was really the difference of the football game. You know, I'm not saying they would have won that game for sure. I don't know that. But what I do know is – They've been one of the most consistent teams all year, right? We've talked about some other teams here throughout the league who've kind of been up and down, roller coaster. You know, the Ravens, we 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 talked about them and you know the Eagles and what they've looked like. It's been really good, but it's a little all over the place. There's a lot of teams like that. Detroit's just been steady, gradually getting better every week, and they haven't even had a game yet where you go, "Oh, that was a stinker." You know, that Bucks defense is good. Uh, They couldn't run the ball. The fact that they just said, hey, we can drop back and Goff will tear you up, that's phenomenal. And then their defensive line is big up front. They got some good linebackers. They don't let up a lot of big plays. And I will say this. There was probably two or three big plays to be had yesterday. And one, Baker got hit as he was throwing, and the ball got Popped up in the air for an interception, and then he missed two or three deep shots down the field. Uh, but overall, the Lions are definitely one of the best teams in football.
3: Yeah, that would have been like a ninety-yard touchdown to Mike Evans, right? That, that ball was, doesn't get that was the, the early
2: air. early field goal. Was that what that was that was the early, that gave the Lions three nothing, right? Yes. I, I think so. Right.
3: Here's Baker Mayfield from after the loss to the Lions on the struggles of the Tampa Bay offense.
0: We suck today. I suck today. We suck today. It was awful um, from the get go. I mean, it just can't play like that. Didn't start fast. We didn't pick it up in the middle and we didn't finish strong. So um, plain and simple, we got to be better. Lions are a good ball club that um, if we play like that, we're going to lose every time. So uh, I think mean, the defense and special teams did an amazing job yet again. And offense, we just need to pick our up. It's There's really no other way around it.
3: You're going to have days like that. And they had two weeks to get ready for this game. Yeah. They were 3-1. We weren't sure right. where they really fit. They could still win the division, but there, there's a hard ceiling between them and 49ers, Lions, Eagles. Definitely, right. And Cowboys kind of lurking in there somewhere. Yeah, right. Cowboys had to feel pretty good about both the Eagles and the 49ers losing yesterday. They get their chance tonight at the Chargers. But that that gives them an opportunity to close the gap a little bit and, you know, to get some distance from the ass-kicking they took last Sunday night. And, you know, the 49ers look mortal. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not against you, it gives you some... It gives you some confidence that maybe you'll catch him on a day. That's right. Like whatever was going a on with better, them that day. Right, right, yeah. right. They're not going to be dumb. They're not going to be roll
2: every, every week. Right. Yeah, I hear you there. You're right. That will give confidence. And you're, I think we're still a little bit in Tampa Bay exceeded expectations. Yes, they're three and two. Right. You know, they did beat the Bears and the Vikings for two of those wins. Right? And and I certainly think with the Vikings game was definitely fifty fifty where the Vikings made some mistakes. Uh, but it is good. It's just that. The game has to be, it seems like with the Bucks, like, you know, they want that game to be at 20-17, 23-17. That's the kind of football game they want to play there. Um uh, uh, but their offense is not hitting on all cylinders yet. That's for sure. There's some good things there, but yeah, they're like a fringe playoff team, team, the way the way it looks to me so far.
3: On a day that one Ohio team took down a powerhouse from the NFC West, the other Ohio team did the same thing. Joe Ohio. Over Seahawks. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live.
1: Fourth and seven from the eight. Geno Smith back to throw. Finish. Looking, yeah, it's hit. Yeah! The ball squirts forward, and the Bengals fall on it at the eight-yard line. That is coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam.
3: Bengals doing it with their defense. Two opportunities for the Seahawks in the final two minutes and eight seconds. It's insane inside the Cincinnati ten. Fourth down twice. The Bengals slammed the door on the Seattle Seahawks, who could have slash should have but didn't win that game on Sunday. Five, Bengals win 17-13.
2: Five trips to the red zone, one touchdown. Wow. Right? That's a pretty phenomenal stat when you talk about, wait, it's Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker. What? I mean, that, that's what we're down to here. But here was the first goal line stand and we saw this throughout the day, right, Mike? I mean, Gino with people around him and then obviously not liking what he's seeing down the field. Lou Anarumo and company, the defense coordinator for the Bengals, obviously had a good game plan, you know, understood what the Seahawks were trying to do in the pass game because it did not look like when they showed replays that people were wide open, but you know, I think in the big moments, down in the red zone, whether it was creating a turnover or another turnover that gave the Bengals field goal, uh, and then the red zone stops, that was the story of the game. You're right, because I think for the most part, you'd sit there and go, oh, it felt like the Seahawks outplayed Cincinnati, not by a great margin or anything like that. But, yeah, the mistakes of Seattle certainly were, you know, I, I think the headline of the football game. Um, there's some good things about the Bengals and their performance either way, but, yeah, that- that's one where, you know, Seattle's going to be Kind of angry angry watching the film back today.
3: I just want to say one thing about Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. At some point, he's getting benched. At some point, he'll get benched. He plays like he did yesterday. He's going to get benched because Drew Locke is not that far behind him. We saw it two weeks ago, Monday night game. Yep, he came and did a good job. He came in and did a good job, and that game shouldn't have been 24-3. to That game should have been 42-3. to The Seahawks' offense has not been... Operating at the level that it could be, or should be, and the guy that's going to get the blame at some point if they sputter, if they struggle, if they lose, it's going to be Gino. I think that the the window on him is narrower than anyone realizes because they have full faith in Drew Locke, who was questionable yesterday with an ankle. So I'm not saying that anything should happen yesterday, but that's a bad interception there in the red zone. Now we were looking at the one. And we're gonna show here. 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 This may have been a bad route by DK Metcalf. Yeah, right. And DK Metcalf's got to control himself too. He had that moment where he's all all over the place here lately. I mean, too emotional. You got to control your emotion. You got to do what you have to do. So when you're in the moment, you don't let that raw energy just take over and right. cause you to do dumb stuff yeah
2: agreed there agreed there uh you know i don't think we're at let's bench Gino territory yet i'm just I, i'm I not here i'm just saying but if things go negative he's gonna be the yeah. fall guy yeah. i do agree with you there when you not have like that
3: other guy right. that you believe in at some point you say let's see what the other guy can and you're not bought in that he's like
2: the long-term future right we're still probably in the evaluation that process contract of that is thing. after it's one, one year, year they can rip it right. up right but uh I I hear you there. You know, uh, w- game was interesting. You know, I think early on like Joe Burrow and the Bengals looked really good, right? You heard me saying it. And one of the things I've kind of been saying about the Bengals is like you're not good at anything. So what are you going to be good at? I I've, I've been kind of on my podcast been like be the masters of the short passing game. And the first two touchdown drives of the game were the Bengals just Joe Burrow 4 here, Joe Burrow 5 here, Joe Burrow 4 here. He was picking apart the Seahawks. It was surgical. That's what I wrote in my notes. But then the Seahawks made an adjustment. And really kind of the Seahawks defense controlled the game really after the the Bengals went up 14-7. It was tough sledding for their offense the rest of the day. It looked like the Seahawks said, hey, screw all these zones. Burrow's going to look us off and pick us apart. So let's start playing some man-to-man. We'll pressure him a little bit, but we're not going to let him have these easy four and five-yard completions where he reads the defense out. That, to me, is what it looked like. I'll get a better look when I watch the film later. The Seahawks' defense definitely played well enough for them to win the football game. To your point, the offense dropped the ball. And, and, guys, if we could show those two interceptions again, too, because I'd like to bring it back to what Mike was talking about a little. you know. One, I think the Seahawks' offense is another offense where, a little bit like the Bengals where I go, it could use a little more creativity. But, you know, second goal, 14-10 football game, third quarter, the game slowed down. Yeah, you know, Gino, the safety was over there. That's not the look you want to throw that ball into you know and then just to throw it blindly doesn't make sense And then this one here I got to think is on DK Metcalf it's there's a safety over the top here there's too three
3: Bengals there
2: right so I don't understand what happened there but then the good return by Cam Taylor Britt puts them in field goal position and that was their last points of the game you know so they scored a touchdown with 12 20 left in the second quarter they didn't do jack diddly squat until that interception that returned it to, I believe, like the 35-yard line, and they got zero yards on the th- first, second, and third down and kicked a field goal and won 17-13 because their defense made big plays and big moments throughout the day to shut down Geno and that Seahawks offense.
3: Last point, and then we have to take a break. Okay. Geno Smith yeah. threw five games. They're 3-2. and two. Yeah. He's completing sixty-seven point seven percent of his passes. Okay, that yeah. that that's that's good. Right. Five touchdown passes, three picks, average per attempt of seven point one. That's not getting the ball down the field. Seven point one used to be good. Seven point one's not not high end anymore. No. And passer rating of ninety point seven. I don't know how much stock anyone puts in that, but that used to be good. That's trending toward middle of the pack now. The point is. After games like yesterday and they break down the film and they look at what went right and they look at what went wrong, it just inches you closer to wondering at what point do they give Drew Locke a chance. That's all I'm saying. I but hear you. Consider the contract they you. gave him and how close it was last year and how close it still is. It's just something to keep an eye on. I'm not rooting for West no. Virginia guy. I'm no, just, I, hear gotta I hear you. we got to be realistic about it, especially because Locke looked good when he had that He did. they got to protect Gino
2: a little yes. bit, and yes. they got to get their right tackle back. I think when they get their right tackle back, he'll have a fighting chance because that's the other thing we didn't talk about. Hendrickson... You know, uh, uh, the other damn D-end, uh, Hubbard. I mean, B.J. Hill, D.J. Reader. It seemed like they dominated the Seattle the Rams, offensive too. line. Right, yeah. exactly right. They can dominate football games, and, and they, did, they did that in the big moments in this
3: one. Some quarterback injuries coming out of week six. We'll get you everything you need to know about that one. PFT Live continues right after this. All right, quarterback injuries. Five starting quarterbacks hurt on Sunday. Justin Fields with the thumb injury we said on Football Night in America. He couldn't grip the ball. He couldn't return to the game because of that x-rays negative MRI today. There are reports of a dislocation. I assume if it's not broken, that's the issue. It gets flopped around and it then does. ligaments may get it's tough. Ligaments may be damaged right. as the, Thumb's joint the most goes important out and back in. Hand or on, finger on the hand yeah. for the grip of the finger? football. Is it
2: thumb a finger? Well, I guess it isn't oh. not technically oh. that, but look, he tries to shovel the ball. Look and at his there, thumb. You his can see his thumb down. goes below as he yeah. tries to shovel the ball yeah. and it looks like it gets bent in Clearly the wrong direction. In pain
3: and and anytime, you know, you do that thing with your thumb. Like I'll, sometimes like I'll be trying to and it just kinda gives. It's painful. Very painful. Jim garoppolo taken to a hospital in Las Vegas after suffering a back injury. Taken by ambulance. Details on that have been hard to get. All they're saying is back. He's having some tests. You just wonder—is it kidney, liver, I, organs or odd. something in there? It doesn't look like a devastating hit, but somebody got him on the side, and it—you know—there isn't a whole lot of protection there. You see where he's reaching? Yeah. There's a lot of the body that—that that is, that that, is kidney. That doesn't have padding. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't take much. You're getting hit at. Full speed or close to it by a very large, strong man, you can get, some, as you know. Yeah. As you know all too well, you can have a serious complication. No, no, no question. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it is. It's odd. It's, it's. We're not sure what
2: it is. I mean, is it back spasms? Did he knock a disc out of place? A herniated disc? Kidney stone, maybe. You know, okay, it could be a lot of different things. Maybe he came over to my house and got COVID. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, the Raiders. Hey, good job gutting it out without him. Certainly. And this is what we kind of kind of know with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I had somebody last night go, "Why weren't the Raiders better?" Prepared, right? They knew Jimmy Garoppolo's got an injury history. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, listen, they did sign Brian Hoyer. I think in the Raiders' perfect world, when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, that was, of course, months before the draft, I think they were still in. We'll get Garoppolo and we're going to get the quarterback we want to pick seven. I think that was really their plan. Who
3: you think they wanted?
2: I, I, I one of the three that was gone, right? That that the left the board. I don't know which one. I would have thought C.J. Stroud would have been their cup of tea, uh-huh.
3: right? Maybe they're the other ones were spreading well, I, shit I, about I have Stroud thought about that, right? Because they're like,
2: please drop, please yeah. drop, right? You know, he would be the guy that would fit their offense the most, at least in my opinion. But uh, I, I feel like that was what they were banking on, and then through the process realized, wait, we're not going to get the top three. We don't like the other group there, and they were, you know, uh, stuck. And now we got Jimmy Garoppolo, who we know can't stay healthy throughout a season.
3: Uh, Trevor Lawrence' knee, he mentioned it after the game. Late late in the game, right? Yeah. Landed on it, right? Getting it checked last night. Here we go. Here's the thing they play Sunday night, or Thursday Thursday night, night, excuse me. Yeah. Thursday night in New Orleans. So there's urgency to get this thing ready to go. Chris.
2: Yes, yes. So, sorry, I didn't know if you were going no, to finish there. I didn't know. No, just well, you were burping or swallowing s- not- or something. I didn't know. But, yeah, you, you watch that play there. You can kind of see, right, with his his leg, guys got a hold of it. It kind of gets stuck in a little bit of a weird position where I could see where his knee, knee got tweaked. Hopefully he's okay. Right. I want to see a good Thursday night football game. And like we just talked about it two segments ago, the Jaguars are the real deal. You know, their offensive stats weren't great yesterday because their defense kept giving them the ball on the Colts' side of the field, and they didn't have to drive far to score touchdowns or put that game away. Uh, they need Trevor Lawrence. We know that. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the
3: game. And then Ryan Tannehill with the ankle injury and the uh, fact that he hasn't been very effective. Yeah. in the last year of his contract. They have Malik Willis and Will Levis. I think next year they're going to have a hell of a competition between Willis and Levis because Willis has developed into something better than they thought he was going to be. Agreed. And they gave up. Extra capital to move up to the top of round two or close to it to get Will Levis, and I think is going to be gone after this year, and let's see how this injury goes. I mean, he was, he was clearly messed up, and he tried to keep going. He's a tough SOB. He is. He tried to keep going. He just wasn't able to. They have a bye this week, so we'll see if he'll be back on the other side of that. They have two games in fairly short order, a Sunday, Thursday. They play Pittsburgh on a Thursday. Uh, coming up here, in a they they're
2: so struggling on offense. They is. might need a Malik Willis and some of the playmaking spark. ability he can to give yep. them a spark, like you said, or change things up a little.
3: Our ninety-second Monday night preview when PFT Live continues right after this. Hey, we got Monday Night Football: Cowboys at the Chargers. Damn. Damn! Damn! <laughs> Look at you. You know you suffer through some green beans. You get to eat a steak once in a while. That's going to be great to
2: watch this football game. I green mean, beans, Dallas green a beans, little bit. You know, F. desperate a little bit here. They're going to want to right the ship after getting their butt kicked the way they did. Chargers coming off a bye week. Chargers can protect the quarterback really well. And have a run game this year. I think this game is close. I'm taking the Cowboys, but I think it's dangerous. I really do. I'm
3: taking like, a close one, 23-20. We're on the same page tonight. We both like the Cowboys, and we're both at, I think, 9-5 and five through 14 okay. games. So we're trying to get the double I don't feel comfortable week. about this. I don't either. No. But you know what? I think the Cowboys are going to feel buoyed by the fact it's going to be a home game the, in LA that the 49ers <laughs> lost oh that did it and the eagles like, right season's not really right. over even though it felt like it was over we can win today we can go, and we're still a we game away and, a it half going, back and here. we we get our shot at them again yeah, and they right. got their f dallas shirt and we're going to be ready the next time around yeah. that's it for the day enjoy the game tonight see you tuesday see ya